Hello, and welcome to this week's edition of Life's Tough, You Can Be Tougher. Our first podcast was nearly two months ago, and since we started, we've had an impressive selection of intriguing guests and plenty of free-flowing conversation. I'm Dustin Plantholt, your host. This is a show about life and purpose. It's about the stories we all have. Everyone, when you think about it, has a story. Some stories may sound more riveting than others. That's to be expected. Not every story, after all, is the basis for a blockbuster movie or even an HBO series. Yet when you think about your own story, the most important thing to consider is what you will do with it, or to put it another way, what will your legacy be? We're looking forward to another terrific show today with this week's featured guest, Brad McLeod, a former U.S. Navy SEAL. Brad has developed SealGrinderPT.com, a modular online platform that offers mental and physical conditioning programs, many of which are based on elements of the SEAL training regimen. He'll be calling in momentarily. And in the studio with us are our two special co-hosts who are making their first appearance on Life's Tough, Dr. Robin Tom and Brian Mark Weber. Both of our co-hosts have ties to the U.S. Naval Academy, located in Annapolis, Maryland, along the Severn River. Robin is a writing consultant and speech coach at the Naval Academy Center for Academic Excellence. She helps people of all ages and levels to harness and uncover their inner voices through presentation skill guidance. Her zest for public speaking, whether in teaching, coaching, advocacy, or volunteering, is evident in everything she undertakes. She holds a PhD from Howard University in Human Communication and Culture and a master's degree in mass communications from Towson University. And for the past 15 years, Robin has been an active member and volunteer for Best Buddies, a sister company to the Special Olympics. Our other co-host, Brian, is a literature and composition professor at the Naval Academy. He holds a master's degree in military history from Norwich University, a master's degree in English from Washington College, a bachelor's degree in American history and English from Vermont College of Norwich University, and a graduate certificate in teaching and learning from Norwich University. In addition to working in education, he is a radio meteorologist, voiceover artist and writer and editor. And just to spice it up another notch, Brian is a certified archery instructor. Both Robin and Brian are also faculty members at Anne Arundel Community College, which is not too far from Annapolis. We're broadcasting, of course, from the Alston Carlisle studio in Baltimore, Maryland. Before we begin, I want to welcome a returning sponsor, the POI Institute. POI is a private holistic detox center located in gorgeous Cabo San Lucas on the Baja California Peninsula. Get a safe, effective start on reclaiming your life at POI. Call the POI Institute at 833-POI-CABO. That's 833-POI-CABO and tell them Life's Tough sent you. Now it's time to introduce today's featured guest, Brad McLeod, former U.S. Navy SEAL and founder of SealGrinderPT.com. SealGrinderPT.com, as I mentioned several minutes ago, is an online modular online platform that offers mental and physical conditioning programs. And part of which makes these programs special is that they incorporate elements of the training regimen for aspiring U.S. Navy SEALs. That program, I understand, is formally known as Basic Underwater Demolition SEAL Training, or BUDS. Brad made it through SEAL training. He graduated from the program in BUDS Class 132 on May 1983. He was 20 years old at the time. 
and went on to serve with SEAL Team 4 as a radio operator. He was based in Little Creek, Virginia, a naval amphibious base by Virginia Beach, and spent a total of six years in the Navy. Brad has also worked as an outbound instructor and a CrossFit trainer. After he started posting his SEAL workouts online, he developed a blog, and in 2010, he launched SEALGrinderPT.com. Brad resides in Tallahassee, Florida. He enjoys rock climbing, biking, and kayaking. Let's bring him on now, Brad McLeod. Hi, Brad. How are you doing today? Hey there. Yeah, thanks for having me on your show. Great. Well, as you know, Brad, we've got Robin Tobb and Brian Weber from the Naval Academy with us today. We're all looking forward to right. a great conversation with you, man. Can't wait. All right. That sounds great. So, looking forward to it. All right. So this is going to lead into the first question. This is always the, the hardest one. Can you tell us about your motivation to not just join the Navy, but to become a frogman or a Navy SEAL? Yeah, that's, that's a pretty easy question for me to answer in that, uh, it, you know, really just, just based on uh, my why. You know, my why was to, um, you know, uh, have respect, uh, but also uh, I, I did it for my family. You know, whenever I was out there in the cold surf uh, or, you know, I had gone, uh, you, know, uh, you know, a day or two or three without sleep, you know, I just, all I had to do was think of my family back home. And, you know, there was probably no uh, greater reward than having my mom or my dad, you know, um, uh, to have them say they're either, you know, proud of me or, you know, uh, have them approving of what I was doing. So, you know, for me, a fate worse than death would be to, you know, go home uh, as a quitter or go home without achieving my goal. So, um, so my why was huge. It was, you know, for me, it was like a blazing bonfire. You know, it was, uh, uh, it was something that every single day I thought about and, uh, you gave it all you had. Yeah. I mean, that I did it. I did it for my family, you know, did it for my dad, my mom, my brother. Yeah. So what was it like? Tell me your first impressions of Navy. Like, I mean, you went from not being in the military to all of a sudden being in the Navy. So then not only that, but what was it like to start SEAL training once you were in the Navy? I mean, yeah, I mean, you'll, uh, you'll laugh, but you know, I, I just, I grew up, you know, here in North Florida in a small town. Uh, I had never uh, been past Mississippi. Uh, I've been to New Orleans, you know, I've been to Washington DC and parts in between, but you know, I'd never really traveled. Um, and so to go uh, into boot camp and travel all the way across the country to San Diego, uh, it was both uh, exciting uh, and at the same time, it was a huge eye opener. That took a lot you of know, courage. Um, I mean, when we take it for <laughs> us for civilians, we take it for granted that you had to leave everything behind. How do you do that? Yeah, yeah you know, I, I had, a, you know, I had, a, you know, a semi-comfy middle class life what have you but <laughs> at the same time I had this uh, just this you know burning uh, desire but also just well kind of say like a burning question uh, inside of me to where say hey you know I, I just felt like I had a calling I felt like there was something else you had a purpose and I, yeah but I wasn't really sure you know what it was but I was, I was, I was being called to the military. And so, yeah, just the whole idea of a frogman, you know, just, uh, you know, for me, that was like mystique that, that was, uh, 
you know, that, that was rare air. You know, I, I was like, you know, I, I felt like, you know, um, I've used this cliche before, but I, I was like the, 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 uh, the, the teenage boy from, from Kansas who thought, you know, wow, I'd, I'd like to be a Hollywood, I'd like to be a Hollywood You were star. dreaming big. And, yeah. And all my friends were like, yeah, yeah, whatever. And, but I was like, you know, at least I'm going to go out to Hollywood and give it a show or, or give it a try. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm at least going to go for it. And, you know, if I get shot down, at, at least I know later on that I at least tried for it. So that was it. You know, I basically, uh, I, I packed my bags. <laughs> you know, I had a, that was it. I had a, one small bag and, and, uh, got on the bus and, uh, and left, left the comfort of, uh, you know, sort of middle America to pursue my dreams. Yeah. Well, we give you a lot of props for that. This is Robin, Brad. I mean, just to pack up your yeah. gear at age, what, 19 or 20 and say, Hey, I'm right. <laughs> like the, the cliche, Hey, I'm going to California. I'm going to Hollywood. Right. But, uh, but I do appreciate yeah. that, that you have a burning desire to do something in your life. You just have to kind of go for it. So you're driving all the way to California, uh, which is not too shabby, by the way. I went to high school in California, so I know Coronado well. Uh, you know, yeah. and you had noted that it would seem more appropriate to be training in a swamp, which I thought was kind of funny. Uh, a little side note, uh, one of my students at the Naval Academy uh, I'll just say his name is Josh. He went into SEAL training a few years ago, and we actually still keep in touch on email. So I know firsthand, wow. just being on his list of, you know, 50 to 100 people, friends and family, the experiences that he goes through. And I'll be honest with you, as much as the public has a kind of good idea about what a SEAL goes through, and that we know that you guys are bad ASSESs, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, we yeah. know that. But to actually hear firsthand from him what he endured is truly impressive. So my hat's not only off to you for serving, but for getting through that training is no joke. Um, do you think the location has any effect on the guys who are entering training, you know, from all around the country? Say, I'm just going to go to California. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, uh, when I went into the Navy I and signed up, I picked that uh, trade, say, uh, you know, a radiament. Uh, you know, back in the day, you went to a school, uh, in a, a radioman school, so that you can learn a skill before you went to buzz because the dropout rate is so high, they want to make sure they have a job for you when you fail. Most guys fail. And so you'll laugh, but I picked radioman just because the training there was in California. So to see that, you know, buzz training was in Coronado, and that radium and a school and my and my uh, boot camp school were in California. I was like, you know, I was I was excited. I was yeah, that was like Hollywood for me. I mean, going to California, you know, um, it was a you know, that was like the extra sauce. Yeah, I would have done it either way. I mean, it could have been anywhere, and I, I still had that burning desire to be a seal, but for it to be in California and the radium and school and and buds, it, I mean, um, that boot camp, that was like a nice package deal. I, I was all over it. Yeah, no, it's definitely a bonus, and that would make sense. But I just wonder when you got there, once you realized, yeah, it's beautiful and it, it's working well, everything happens to be lining up, were you in shock when you realized, oh, this is what we now have to do? Like, were you really mentally yeah, prepared? How do you prepare for that? Yeah. I mean, while I can say, uh, I, I kind of know what I'm going to be walking into, how do you really know? 
Yeah, well, you know, I, I really didn't have any mental preparation. You know, I wasn't listening to Tony Ro- uh, Robbins or I didn't have a stack of, you know, positive mental attitude or, you know, I wasn't, I never, I didn't know what the word, you know, mantra or, um, you know, I, I didn't know anything about deep breathing or, you know, uh, say, uh, you know, creating a vision uh, uh, or goal setting. I didn't know any of that. I just had a why that was just really off the charts. But I will say this is that when you first go to San Diego, it's all sunny and it's nice outside and everything's great until you actually get in the surf. Uh, the Pacific, the, the water is actually cold. The hot, the hot gets during the summer is <laughs> 72 yeah, degrees. A lot of people don't realize that. And then you get in the surf and there's six, eight. So are you afraid of sharks? I want to know, are Navy SEALs ever afraid of sharks? I mean, being called a SEAL and all. <laughs> Yeah, you know, people have asked me that before, and you know that was like the that was the least of my worries. Not not to brush it off, but you know, it it was as if uh, you know that was like say being afraid of of lightning or what have you. I, I mean, I'm not trying to minimize it, but yeah. your um, I, I you know uh, I'm probably going to get struck. I have a better chance of being struck by lightning than I do. <laughs> All right. So what you're saying is I don't have to be so afraid anymore of going in the ocean when there's a seal in there. Uh, well, I, you know, I was just, you know, not necessarily worried, but I had to focus on my task, which is, you know, a lot, you know, you're diving, you're underwater. A lot of times, most times it's at night. You're trying to get to uh, your objective. So really I was honestly so focused on, you know, uh, making it to my objective, I just had to block out things like that, that, um, you know, like sharks and everything, jellyfish, barricade, you know, I've, you know, had all kind of crazy stuff, uh, in the water that, you know, creeped me out, but I just, you know, uh, um, I just try to stay focused, you know, that's probably, uh, that's probably the best way to, uh, you know, explain that. Yeah. Brad, this is Brian. Were, were you ever afraid? Does fear even enter into who you are as a person? Uh, no, absolutely. I, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say, you know, I have some kind of supernatural power. Uh, I don't. I'm, I'm just an ordinary person, uh, just like anybody else. And I have, you know, my, I have all sorts of fears. But what I did learn very quickly in Buzz is that I had to get over I had to get over myself. I had to get over, you know, whatever it is, my fear of heights or my fear of dark water or my fear of crawling through whatever, a pipe with slime and, uh, you know, who knows what else, you know, or being in the jungle and having spiders on you and rats. Yeah, I can't do that, Brad. (laughs) Brad, if I have a spider in my house, because I always get a couple of them, can I call you to come get it for me? (laughs) Small fee. I still don't like them. (laughs) All right, good. So even Navy SEALs don't like spiders. Good to know. I'm not alone, honey. Brad, if the the conversation were to end right now, some of the things that you've already spoken about, in my opinion, are reflective or symbolic of a true leader. Now, at the Naval Academy, our students are required to take a wide range of leadership courses. And the people who create and facilitate these courses, they truly believe that they are producing leaders in some type of leadership factory. They are convinced, if you speak with them, that this is the way to produce a leader. In your opinion, uh, are great leaders born or made? And if they're made, do we make them by sending them to a workshop or making them take a course? 
or do we make them uh, you know, through life experience? Or maybe it's a combination of factors. Yeah, I mean, not to take the easy way out, but I think it is probably a combination of factors. I think some people that are extroverts have, you know, innate abilities to just, you know, stand up and get up in front of a crowd. And uh, whereas there may be others that, uh, and lead them, whereas there may, we may see that in early ages where, uh, you, know, you know, you may just be uh, having a pick game of uh, baseball or basketball, uh, as, a, as a child, um, but but I definitely see where you know um, going into the military uh, and going into buds and meeting other young guys, you know, slightly older than me. They had you know, a four year degree, so they're maybe twenty two years old or twenty three, and they've had ROTC. They've they've been to uh, the Naval Academy. Uh, uh, they've been to um, you know. So those. Um, so those candidates, you know, they, uh, you know, they've had that extra training. So they may have already had that uh, a little bit of leadership spark inside them as a young child or an adult growing up. Right. But that, you know, then, then and, and a lot of them were called and moved into those positions of, of you know, wanting to be into the, in the military. So um, having that extra uh, leadership uh, training from ROTC. Uh, even right now, I train some athletes at Florida State University that are in ROTC, mm-hmm. and you can just really see them as you know they're they're squared. They're nineteen and twenty years old, and, and these guys are squared away and are on their way. They're really seeking. Uh, you know, they sought me out to have extra training. Hey, Brad, so, we have uh, a special caller. Hey, Brad, real quick, now, we have a special caller, Eric Bowling. Uh, we're going to give him a call right now. Uh, get him on the line, okay. and uh, he's got a question uh, we're calling Ask a Seal. So Eric Bowling will be on in a moment. We're giving right. him a call. Okay, great. <laughs> Hannah um, is able to participate, too, if she'd like to in the question. <laughs> hey, Eric. Hello, hello. Eric, can you hear me? Yes, we got you now. All right, I got you now. Well, Eric Bolin, welcome to Life's Tough, but Navy SEALs are tougher on the line with us as well. We have Brad McLeod uh, in the studio with us. We have Brian and Robin from the Naval Academy. Uh, thank you for joining us. And this is the segment for Ask a SEAL a Question. All right. Yeah. Good to talk with you, Eric. Hey, great talking to you guys, too. Thank, uh, thank everyone for your service. We really, really appreciate our freedom because because of you. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> All right, quick question for him, Eric. Oh, okay, I didn't know. <laughs> yeah, man, I'm putting you on the spot. You, you got the second where you, you were, uh, you're about to ask him. Let's talk about, uh, let's talk about your thoughts. Well, to be honest with you, I'm not even sure who I'm talking to, you guys. <laughs> <I> <laughs> All right. Tell, well, me who I'm, tell me who I'm talking to. Uh, so we have Brad. Uh, Brad is a Navy SEAL. Brad uh, from the, uh, Brad McLeod. Brad, good to speak to you. Are you are you, uh, are you are you still in? Are you in, in country? Where are you? I'm actually in uh, back home in Tallahassee, Florida, right now. So very very grateful for that. Uh, but I've, me, I've been out of the. Surf. I, I want to know. My question for you is: what, what what do you think of President Trump? How's he how's he treating the military? <laughs> Yeah, that's a great question. <laughs> wow. No, 
Yeah, loaded question there. Uh, yeah, you know, President Trump is my uh, commander in chief, and so you know, were I still in the military uh, at this point, you know, obviously he would be, uh, you know, handing down the orders uh, to me. So uh, I believe there's a, you know a few things that uh, President Trump has, has done well, and uh, a few other things I disagree with, but I, I could probably that about uh, about every president. So. Uh, you know, the bottom line is, uh, if, you know, given an order uh, from President Trump or back in the day, it was uh, President Reagan. Um, you know, I'd be, I'd be, uh, be my honor to fulfill that. All right. Let me ask you this, then. We're sitting we're sitting here in May of 2019. Are we safer or more at risk than we were in May of 20, let's say, 2015? Wow. Uh, yeah, I know there are a lot of external threats out there, um, you know, a lot more than uh, I was aware of back when I was, a, you know, a high school kid here in Tallahassee, you know, being, uh, having access to intelligence reports and whatnot. So, um, you know, it's really hard, hard for me to say, but, um, you know, I would hope that, you know, a lot of our uh, external threats, whether it be ISIS, uh, that those have been, uh, you know, hopefully neutralized at some level. But to tell you the truth, one of the things I see is uh, just really internal threat, you know, the, lo- the lone wolf, uh, so to speak, uh, a lone, uh, you know, a disgruntled, um, you know, person out there. Uh, I see that as still uh, sort of a Timothy McVeigh type, type uh, person or character. I see them as it's just really a... Uh, a, a very hard, um, it's very hard to um, control or minimize uh, a threat like that. What about Iran? Should we send troops over to Iran? <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, you know, I try to keep my emotions out of it. Uh, you know, when I went into uh, the military and uh, when I actually was stopped, the President Carter's administration, and as we all know, we were we were in the, a, a very similar situation with Iran, but we also had hostages there. So that's really for me. That's almost like uh, an, uh, you know, still an open wound. Uh, I know there's a lot of people out there that you know still have you know, sure uh, <laughs> you know uh, irate uh, or uh, you know have emotional thoughts about that. So, um, but I, I believe that you know if. Um, you know, if they're truly a, a threat uh, uh, in Iraq, uh, I don't know, it's hard to say. I prefer <laughs> if we could get out of the Middle East, but that's probably easier said than done. Yeah. All right, Eric. I, I would agree with you on that. Eric, yeah. Eric yep. thank yep. you so much for uh, for joining us. Uh, good, last good words. You, yeah. Thanks again, Eric. Thanks for calling in. Hey, Brad, you did a good job. Yeah, Brad, you're the TV show host. Uh, we, didn't know, we, we didn't know that was coming. We didn't mean to cut you off. I'm like, I asked Eric, hey, would, would you dial in for one of our guests? Sure. W- we'll would you remind to- me right beforehand? You got it. We'll screen that next time. Uh, no, yeah, I wanted- you handled that really well, buddy. <laughs> I well wanted done. to go back to what Brian was asking you earlier. And I know you said you were taking kind of a, you know, taking both sides in terms of great leaders being born or made. And you had mentioned that some people do come into it, unlike yourself, being ROTC trained, you know, kind of more prep for what they're walking into. But regardless, I feel like in the end, when you're, you graduate, 
if you do graduate, because it's just so darn difficult, like you know, there's a certain set of criteria that the Navy's looking for. And everybody kind of knows what that is. And people say, yeah, they do this in order for others to follow them. But I always ask the question, I always tell the students anyway, you know, people are going to follow you in life because of your, you're a knowledge expert, an expertise in something for your, for you with SEALs training. But what you want to have happen is that you want people to follow you because they want to, you know what I mean? Not because they have to. So I guess my question is what makes people want to follow you? Because clearly they are, uh, you, have got something. So what is that? That thing is that I'm just a normal, average, everyday guy that never would quit. I had a big dream, and no matter how outlandish that was, um, that, that, uh, that I still went for it. So in a way, it's that um, everybody, a lot of people, they like the underdog, and they want to root for the underdog. And so, um, you know, sometimes I wish I was, you know, six foot two, chiseled, athletic, um, you know, muscled and all that. You're talking uh, about me right now, Brad. I just want you to know if you're envisioning <laughs> what a Roman god looks like right now. I thought this he was is talking me. about me. Yeah, you want to put me Brian. on. Like, have you ever gotten one of those statues like you've done something good? I'm the person they monitor. They, the statue was built after me. Brad, those were <laughs> those were some tough questions. Even the president doesn't get questions. Yeah, that Eric, Eric threw it at you and, hard, and you had to think. You know, right off the top of your head, how do you how do you handle the, those questions? How do you handle situations that are unexpected? You know, it's one thing to be able to plan for something, to have a book in front of you or, or a plan, and say, "Well, this is going to happen." What if something hits you from out of nowhere? How do you how do you what do you, how do you deal with that situation? Well, one, one thing I will say is that uh, I actually get hit with those questions probably about every week. In fact, I was at a, a party Friday night and someone was asking me almost very similar questions. Were you at the same uh, party I was? Because I'm telling you, I get that. What do you think about Donald Trump? I go, what do you think about him? He was the guy in the corner, six foot two, chiseled abs, in case you're wondering. That's Brad. Brad's always good looking. He always has that manly beard. Like the guy, you're, you're into archery, right? You guys should go hang out. Yeah, we should. Yeah, take we do a, a lot of things. It takes focus and discipline. I think I think Brad's life's a little tougher than mine. At least his, his experience has been. So. So, so I will say that yeah, I did have a little bit of you know, I I, I do get those questions about every week. Uh, but the other side of it too is um, uh, is that uh, one of the the things that uh, really helped me in Navy SEAL training is that you had to be quick on your feet. Um, and not necessarily in a conversation standpoint, but that you, if you were shown something, you needed to absorb that and be able to turn around and perform that very quickly. Uh, so you have, you know, there's a certain amount of intuition, but there's also a certain amount of, uh, thought process that's involved with that. And, I'm, and so, uh, that's one characteristic that I saw of all Navy SEALs that I was around is that they could be shown something and be able to perform that very quickly. Uh, and turn around and teach others, because as you can imagine, you know you're you're handling plastic explosives, you're doing live fire, uh, uh, live weapons, you're uh, you know you're 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 diving, uh, scuba diving underneath uh, a ship. Uh, there's a lot of things that can go wrong. So if you don't, if you aren't able to perform very quickly, uh, not only yeah, you'll I mean, you'll get kicked out of the training for any kinds of infractions, but that. 
um, yeah, you just need to be able to process and figure things out quickly, you know, especially if you find yourself in a situation that's less than ideal or dangerous. You need to be able to know how to correct that and, and, and get out of it quick. Yeah, so uh, not to change, but yeah. I want to talk about Hell Week. So I heard that Hell Week's a lot of fun. Uh, do you remember anything in particular about Hell Week that, quite frankly, you've never told anybody else uh, that that sticks out to you as you look back now on that moment in your life? Well, I mean, I, I will say this. Um, Hell Week is incredibly tough. But that, believe it or not, I had this uh, both times that I went through. I had to go through twice. Uh, we can talk about that later, but I, I did fail out the first time. And but, but I always remember on the Friday afternoon when we secured, when we finished, um, when the commanding officers came in to say we're done, I was completely battered. I, I was walking like a hobbled old man. I, I um, you know, I was chased. Uh, my whole body's inflamed. My hips hurt. My, everything hurt. But I always remember that I could step forward one more step and that really taught me a lot about myself and, and I'm going to be the first to say um, uh, I, I was not you know I, I was a C student uh, in buds I was not some you know uh, like I say the six foot two chisel warrior uh, I didn't just walk into hell week and walk out and just you know brush it off like a duck uh, what have you uh, it was tough for me but at the same time there was just this really like a crystal moment um, where I just, it showed me, it's like no matter what's been thrown at you, if you don't quit, you still have that capability to keep going. And that's really something that throughout my life, I've, I've used that as, you know, um, sort of a barometer at a certain point, like, hey, you know, this was hard, but it wasn't as hard as Hell Week. And no matter how hard it is, you know that you can keep going. So, I really that that was those that was a building block for my life right there that that moment when I you know came to that in my mind in my in my foggy mind you know um I definitely I laid down 30 minutes later I laid down <laughs> went to sleep but uh how long did you sleep yeah, for that, did, that was, did you wake up a couple of days later was this the where 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 the best yeah. week go yeah, you know, I just said uh, in 30 minutes, I laid down, went to sleep. Believe it or not, it was probably an hour and a half to two hours. <laughs> I really couldn't sleep. Wow. Um, and then after that, I think I slept for about two hours or three hours, and I distinctly remember having to get up, and I was just really thirsty, just, you know, and I, I drugged myself to the bathroom to get, you know, splash some water in my face and get drink some water. But then after that, I slept again for probably another eight hours. I got up. I was really hungry, as you can imagine. You know, you're still burning calories from into the next week. You know, you yeah. can't get enough food. So um, I didn't just zonk out for like 12, 14 hours in one shot. It, you know, I think my system was really messed up. Um, my internal clock, uh, the inflammation in my body, uh, you know, um, just, you know, the internal, my, my metabolism was just on, still on fire, you know, trying to consume calories to make up for the, the deficit. So, uh, even though I'm trying to sleep, my body, there was a lot of conflict. <laughs> it wasn't as easy as I, yeah, you, you just go down and go, Oh, this was the best rest I've ever had. You had to go back to work. 
Yeah, uh, we go back to work on Monday, and they did put us in running shoes, uh, not boots. Mm-hmm. And they um, that was nice of them. But your feet never felt so good. <laughs> do you have? Do you still have those shoes? By the way, are they like in a trophy case? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I don't have them, but, uh, but I definitely remember, uh, the, the week after is a little, is lighter. Uh, we do a lot more, you know, stretching, light running, all of that. And then pretty after kind of a week of uh, 50%, uh, kind of a, you know, kind of a week off or half work, then we go back to, and there's a lot of academics still in, in that week, but then you go back to full on, you know, you're back at it again. And, um, you know, it's all very methodical, very planned. There's doctors there on staff. You know, they, they have a recipe for how much time and, and sleep and recovery that you should have. And, you know, and you're young, you know, you're 19, 20, 21 years old. Uh, most uh, candidates there are young. So uh, I think 28 or 29 was the, the oldest. So, you're, you know, your recovery time, you know, they, they keep it pretty tight. Yeah, it sounds like you kind of have this plan. It just brings me back. I'm going to go back to L.A. for a minute. When I was in high school there, Brad, it was 1986. So how old were you then? 23? Uh, okay, I, graduated, I graduated in 81. So, yeah, five, five years. So, yeah, 23, 22. Yeah. Okay, so I'm in high school, and they call us down to the auditorium. And in those days, there was only one television in the entire school just to date all of us, right? One TV. So we knew this is something right. really big, right? Yeah. 2,000 of us were marching down. They get us all seated, and we're anticipating the television being turned on because we can't quite possibly imagine what is so important to take us out of school in the middle of the day. Uh, so the next thing you know, Ronald Reagan, who's one of my favorite presidents, and I heard you mention him earlier, uh, he's front and center on that screen. And it was at that exact moment that he told us and the entire world, quite honestly, that the spaceship Challenger had just exploded in the air. And as you remember, you had, you know, Christina McCullough, all, you know, everyone was excited about the teacher, all the astronauts. This was big PR press for the 80s, right? So you hear this news and I'm sitting there looking at him and I realized at that moment, you know, speech and what people say is really important. I think I I didn't know at that exact moment, but I'm thinking maybe that's kind of where I'm going to make my path. So I guess I wonder for someone like yourself. So I realized the importance of speech at that moment. What was it? What was the moment for you that you realized, hmm, I'm going to now train people uh, cause we already know why you went into seals. Cause you're, you had a, a plan, you know, you just wanted to do a burning desire, but what made you decide I want to train people and use the principles of what I learned as a seal? Yeah, that's a pretty easy question really is that, um, I, I spent time in sort of a self-review self-assessment or just kind of asking myself that the burning nagging questions of like, well, you know, now that you're, 30 and 40 years old, what do you want to do with yourself? What, now that you have some mileage, you have some years under your belt, you know, what makes you uh, happy? Um, and really the times that I found myself the most happy were, were when I was training other people, um, and volunteering and helping other people achieve their goals. You know, uh, y'all mentioned earlier, you know, I'd, I'd worked as an outward bound instructor, uh, actually there in, in Baltimore, uh, oh, wow. at the, uh, the hurricane, Island, hurricane Island school. Hmm. Uh, and so, 
that was a good reference point for me. I was already out of the military. Um, you know, I had done that because I, I, I really, I was, uh, I was attracted to Outward Bound, the type of program they had. And so, well, you know, like I said, when I'm 30-ish, 40 years old, I, I, I had that under my belt to say, wow, that was a great experience to, um, to help other athletes, help other, uh, help other people achieve goals. And so, uh, lo and behold, I found myself in a CrossFit gym. Um, I was just working, helping, sweeping the floors, um, you know, warming up other athletes, uh, working the cash register, cleaning the bathrooms and people heard, uh, you know, they, you know, people through conversation, you know, they're like, Hey, that guy, he was a Navy SEAL, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I bet. And, and so that's where, um, you know, people are always, other athletes are coming up and saying, Hey, well, what's a good workout I can do, you know? And so I started to write down workouts. And I'd either hand them to them or I would put them up on the back bulletin board uh, in the back corner. Well, the next thing you know, someone would either take the, the workout or make a copy of it. And then someone was like, you should just put it on a blog so everybody can see it. You know, and there's just sort of simple workouts. And, you know, working in the CrossFit gym, again, I found myself kind of in a happy spot. I wasn't making really any money. I was just helping out. You know, I wasn't, um, you know, I wasn't hardly... I wasn't doing it for money, you know, and I was like, this is really fun. You know, I get to be around other people. There's the music, there's, you know, uh, how can I make a living doing this? And before uh, I had a good job, I was working as a consultant, but from a happy standpoint, or what do you want to do with the rest of your life? uh, Something that, you know, when I get out of bed in the morning, you know, what's something that's really going to, put a little kick in your stride and you're thinking about you're riding to work and you're like, Hey, all right, cool. Um, this is really good. And not to say that I had an awful job before. I just still had kind of that nagging question that I had before when I was 18 and 19 of, you know, what I have a calling, what is it? So luckily I've, I've been able, it's, it's hard to self-examine yourself, to look in the mirror. You know, you, you find all sorts of things you don't like, but at the same time, by turning over questions in my mind, I, I came to that conclusion of it. At least this is something that I like to do. I like to help people. I like to, I like to be around the gym. I like, I like to be around the music. I like, you know, it's upbeat and like, what better way? I mean, if I can make enough money to keep gas in my truck and, you know, keep a roof over my head what better way um than to work and help train other people and i was like wow okay i'm gonna i'm gonna go for this that's like a phenomenal calling what a calling yeah i might fall i might fall on my face and if i do i can go back to consulting nothing wrong with consulting but i'm just gonna go for this and see what happens you, you know just sound so like really a, a natural teacher it. you're like a natural teacher natural leader and it's just kind of cool how the universe just provides an opportunity and there was your path, right? All the things you like to do, and then, hey, I can make money at it, too. It's a, just a bonus, like you said. Brad, earlier you spoke about yeah. – uh, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, that, that's it. I mean, once I started, um, it's kind of like a lot of other people said somewhat what you had just said about, yeah, you would be good at that. You should do that. And other people kept – they would send me an email, hey, you should check out this course, or you should do this. and 
you know, I could go on and on, but the point is other people, I had a lot of people really trying to help me too. So, um, so yeah, but, uh, yeah, but good for you. That, that's that was awesome. all I wanted to ask. Yeah. Brad, earlier you spoke about uh, taking orders from the commander in chief and uh, clearly submitting to an authority and, and discipline and structure is a critical part of an effective military system. Uh, the last thing you want is an army of philosophers or English professors, for that matter. Really? Um, I, I'm, and a, on a, on a, <laughs> I'm a podcaster. Could you add me to the list? Quick, quick side story, Brad. At my, my first semester teaching at the Naval Academy, I thought I'd lost my touch because I used a lot of humor in the classroom. For the entire semester, I couldn't get anyone to laugh, and I was questioning myself. And then after the, after the semester had ended, one, I ran into one of my students in the hallway, one of the mids, and he said, you're one of the funniest people we've ever met. We were laughing hilariously outside of class, but never in class. And I said, well, I'm kind of curious because I'm new here. I'm new to this environment. And they said, well, they're trained to not, uh, not to show emotion. And it, you know, it's, it, it was something, a new, a new concept to me. Um, and clearly midshipmen are obedient. They're great students, by the way, I can, I could, I can write the lesson plan on the board and leave the room and come back in 60 <laughs> minutes. And every one of them will turn in an amazing assignment. It's, it's, a, it's a teacher's dream. Um, they'll complete any right. task. But, yeah. but they're not comfortable when, when I ask them to, well, when I even broach the subject of questioning authority. They get really uncomfortable with that. Um, are there times in your experience when you've had to question authority, when you've either internally or externally you know, uh, been uh, asked to do something that you weren't comfortable with? Are there, or are there some situations where it's acceptable to question authority um, you know, without taking down the whole system, which is what some of the mids are afraid of doing when they, when they do ask questions? Yeah, that's an interesting question. And it's one of the things that intrigued me about the seals is that I, I didn't know this going in and, you know, but I definitely knew, you know, obviously one of the biggest reasons I went into the military is to find discipline. Um, but that once I was in there and actually part of a team, um, that you found that, um, their structure in the seal team, um, you know, yes, there is an officer in charge of a platoon. Uh, yes, there. Can you all still hear me? Yeah, we can hear you fine. Yes, yes. Yeah, sorry, I had a call coming in there. Uh, but that the, um, yes, there is an officer in charge, but it was amazing to me how E5 uh, and even an E4, you know, when you have an expertise, say, in, ra in radios or packing parachutes or, you know, there's a lot of different expertise. Now, what is an E4 or E5 um, for, the, for the people out there? Uh, yeah, an E5 is being a class petty officer. So an E6 would be a first class petty officer. So an enlisted um an enlisted band in, in a SEAL platoon, uh, yes, we'd take orders uh, from, uh, you know, our, our officer in charge of that platoon, but there was also uh, a fair amount of feedback, uh, say, if we were looking at a plan to see how feasible this plan was. It wasn't just uh, black and white that, a, that a, a mission was handed down and that you were, you know, fully expected to adhere to that um, in all aspects. So the, the, what I found is that the SEALs in particular, um, they're not necessarily questioning authority, but that you, your mind was valued from a creative standpoint in that 
hey, we want to make sure this mission works. So what what are feedback or, uh, you know, what are other things that you can add to to the mix? And, uh, you know, more than once I was in a room where, you know, an E5 or an E6, uh, Petty Officer First Class, uh, may question, um, you know, an approach or uh, may have, a, with all due respect, a disagreement, um, you know, or a debate in a, in, a, in a way that, hey, maybe we need to look at this a different way. So um, I, I always thought that was interesting and something of value in that, you know, we weren't just uh, robots that, you know, uh, the mission was handed down. We nodded our heads, processed it, and boom, we're out the door. Uh, there, there was dialogue. There were, you know, it was, um, you know, um, planning similar to later on in life. I, you know, uh, worked with others on business plans and what have you. And so, uh, even though say uh, one um, one person may be the CEO of the company, another person may be uh, the money the money person over here. But that, you know, if you had an ex, you know, in this case, I had an expertise. My uh, my voice, even though it may be smaller, uh, it was valued. And so I saw that in an entrepreneurial, uh, from that standpoint too. Well, this, this so is, I, uh, this is fascinating, Brad, because I think the, the public perception is that, uh, members of the military are simply blindly following orders and, and clearly the system is grounded in discipline and structure. But from what you're saying, there's a tremendous amount of discussion that takes place as to how to make a mission successful. And, and that's really, it seems to be an inherent part of, uh, of a successful military operation. And so that's, that's great insight. Yeah, so Brad, I've got a question for you from looking at it from the entrepreneur side. How do you market yourself? How have you built Brad McLeod, the one that we obviously we, we found and our audience around the, the world, many of them that know you? How do you do that when in a world or in a business when there are others like you or well, we're all unique and we all have our all right. own story. How did you do it? Because right. it's an idea. And then how'd you get it out of your head? Yeah, I, I was really fortunate at the very start. I mean, yes, you know, um, you know, you can say, oh, well, you're a Navy SEAL. That, that'll help. Well, you know, there's, there are a hundred, there's 200 other Navy SEALs out there that are fitness trainers, coaches, you know, on and on and on. But I tell you, I went to a CrossFit seminar and I had a local coach that was there who's, who's really successful um, in terms of getting clients, uh, keeping clients, um, you know, on and on, very, very successful fitness coach. And I asked him directly, I was like, you know, here it was. I, I was going from being, uh, you know, the floor sweeper and the cash register guy and, uh, in a CrossFit gym to trying to get my trainer certificate. And I asked him that very, the question of, you know, how do you build, how do you build a fitness business? How do you get coaching clients? And his, his answer was, was just blunt and simple. He said, it's one client at a time. You get one client and one you just time. love on them and you help them Powerful. and you, you let them, you, you, you help them improve 1%. And when you do that, it's just like being, you know, and I looked at it, uh, you know, I, I took that in and I'm like, that's so simple, you know, but at the same time, it's just really concrete, great advice. And it would be, you know, maybe you're, um, you know, you're a cook in a diner or what have you. I mean, you know, how, how are you going to get more people to eat at your diner? Well, you, you got to cook up, 
as good a food as you can and go out there and you're out, you're in the restaurant, you're talking to each one of your clients. So it's the same thing, same concept. You see a, a chef come out of the back of a restaurant and talk to their clients. That's the same way I look at all of this is that, you know, I have a hands-on approach. Uh, I talk to my clients constantly on the phone, FaceTime, very accessible. And so if I didn't provide a good service, there's 200 other Navy SEALs or, <laughs> or special forces guys. Hey, they would take yes. my business in yeah, a they, heartbeat. They would have jumped so, up. If you, if you suck at your job, someone else is going to take it. And I want to do this. Well said. You know, this is my passion. Yeah. This is my passion. This is what I want to do. This is not something that, you know, <laughs> oh, I got to wake up and go coach clients. No, I'm, I'm jacked to, to help clients, you know, increase, the, you know, reach their goals. Yeah, and I got asked that question uh, recently for for our show, and they said, "Well, how did you do it?" And I went kind of like, "How to eat a whale, one bite at a time." <laughs> it, it, it's going to be one bite at a time. It's yeah. one one person at a time. It's it's telling your story. It's it's giving back to the community. So with that, we've got a member of our team. We're going to be dialing in uh, from California. Uh, his name is Tony Alvarez. Uh, we're going to be calling him uh, momentarily. So Tony, we're going to get right. him, get him on the line. This is one of those plants. Nothing that's going to be off the wall crazy for you. Yeah, brace yourself. Uh, yeah, I, I can promise you this one's not going to be, this won't be as exciting as the last. It'll be kind of boring, but he's a he's a great guy. And he's a member of Team Tough. So we're going to dial him in. All right. He's got a question, and we're going to get him on the line. Hello? Hi, Tony. Yes, this is Tony. Hi, Tony. You're on the air with Life's Tough, but Navy SEALs are tougher. Also have with us Navy SEAL Brad McLeod. Uh, and uh, this is the segment where Team Tough gets to ans ask a question from the West Coast to Brad. So with that, Brad, we have Tony Alvarez, a member of Team Tough, on the line with us. All right. Good to talk with you, Tony. Okay, great. Thank you so much for taking uh, my question. I just had a quick question. You know, most men are impressed and they, they admire and they respect Navy SEALs but not all men can measure up to that mindset and that attitude, that um, way of living. Can you tell me uh, what's the mindset? What's the um, character, the psychology of a Navy SEAL and how we can use that in everyday life situation? And I believe that the bottom line is just to have that never quit uh, attitude. And so, uh, you know, you can read that uh, you know, through and through, even with the, uh, say Marcus Luttrell's uh, book, uh, Lone Survivor. You know, if he would have ever quit at any point, you know, yes, he did have a little bit of luck on his side, uh, a lot of different situations, what have you. But, you know, the bottom line is he kept, you know, dragging himself to safety, so to speak. You know, he didn't know where safety was, but he kept moving. And so I would say that would probably be, uh, if I, you know, if I could, um, you know, pass that on to my kids or pass that on to other athletes that I coach is to really just have that, uh, never quit, never die, um, um, attitude. And, and, you know, we, we see that in like, you know, um, in, you know, fourth quarter of a football game or the ninth inning of a baseball game, uh, you know, it's not over till it's over. And by having that mindset of never quit, always believing in yourself, um, always keep moving forward, then 
you know, I believe that's that's a cornerstone of uh, the the Navy SEAL mindset. Wow, well said. Right. Well, Tony, thanks for yeah, thanks very, for dialing in, man. Yeah, thanks a lot. That's really inspiring. I'm definitely going to implement that. Appreciate it. All right, buddy. See you, Tony. Yeah, good have, have a good day. Thank All you, right. buddy. Take care. Bye, bye. All right, so that I was a great message, by the way, Brad. Well, like you, you were inspiring me. I'm getting shivers, man. Thanks for giving that to me. I needed that. Yeah, we needed to give you an easy one to make up for what happened earlier. Uh, listen, I just have to go back to this. I loved your whole idea of one student at a time. And as you were talking to that really nice guy from California, I was looking around the, 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 the podcast studio, and I'm looking at Dustin, and I'm thinking, you know, he's a coach. He's a teacher of sorts. Then I got my co-host, Brian, who's also a dear friend. He's a teacher and a coach of sorts. And I'm a speech coach as well. And when you said one student at a time, I think we all subscribe to the idea of, yeah, that's really what it's all about. And uh, so I teach something called military mindfulness, Brad. So picture somebody who's, uh, you know, the Naval Academy is a STEM institution, right? So you have people that are very engineer, very math-minded, and sometimes they're just looking to be the leaders that people want to follow, not just because they have to follow. So in this military mindfulness, I'm really working on breathing exercises, visualization, grounding techniques, guided imagery, you name it, right? The, the whole reason we do this is because one, your voice when you're speaking to the public is you know your instrument. You've gotta make sure it's really fine-tuned, everything from, and, and these techniques help you do that. And the second reason is to really handle them decreased stress, not only in public speaking situations, but just life in general. So what I was hoping you could share is kind of like a case study, like tell me about a guy or a girl, a man or a woman where you've said, I've used these kind of techniques to get this military mindfulness going and uh, how, how it ended for you. Yeah, I mean, I think, um, you know, if you're, if you're looking at like say, uh, you know, a case study or uh, multiple times uh, say that I've, I've been involved with uh, athletes I've uh, taught as an instructor out at uh, what's called Seal Fit uh, out in Encinitas, California. And those are all ideas that we uh, put into action in terms of, you know, deep breathing, uh, visualization, uh, having a mantra. And so what we show those athletes say in those, the course there, I've, I've done over, say, uh, uh, performed as a coach there um, probably, I don't know, 12, 15 times. But the, we have athletes there that, you know, they go for uh, 60 hours nonstop. It's meant to replicate the, the first, uh, you know, uh, uh, hours of, of Hell Week. And so by using those deep breathing techniques, so it, you know, it, it's pretty easy to get off your game if you're, uh, you know, uh, say if you're nervous, you're, um, you're unsure of yourself, uh, you know, you have shallow breathing, what have you. And so what we've done, we do is, is have them sit uh, in, in different situations where they have to, uh, you know, use deep breathing. They have to use visualization, uh, say, to even keep themselves warm. Uh, and that's something that I used back in the day, even at Bud, sitting in the cold surf. You know, I mentioned earlier that, uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't know about Tony Robbins or I didn't know about any kind of higher level, uh, you know, uh, you know, positive mental attitude or, or uh, NLP, uh, neuro linguistic programming. I didn't know about any of that 
Uh, and it's so interesting because my swim buddy next to me, he just, you know, we're sitting there just freezing, you know, yeah. and uh, in the cold water at night. And what kind of dog and, do you uh, have, Brad? Uh, it's a border collie. Border collie. <laughs> we're always going back to border Hannah. Border collie, Yeah. Oh, and Hannah's looking right at you right now. I'm <laughs> looking at the, the phone here. Hannah, just remember um, Robin is your favorite. We'll have a quiz at the end. Augusta's voice is kind And I just want amazing. you to remember who loves you the most, okay? <laughs> no, so you know, as Wonder Bread, well, yeah. so you have this, uh, so you have these success stories. Was it difficult to get people that are looking for this physical regimen? Because sixty hours, let's be honest, you're, I'm not going to a gym looking for a sixty hour replication of Hell Week myself. But obviously, people yeah, that are signing up. Hey, Brad, do you have a program called <laughs> yeah. It's Awesome I'm Week? I'm thinking, like, do I get a coffee? <laughs> like, who soon? wants to sign up for Hell Week? <laughs> yeah, Sell so that, that to me. So it's a certain mindset, right? For sure, the person that comes in. Do they subscribe easily to the ideas of breathing and visualization because you've done it? Do you know what I mean? Like, I wonder how difficult that is to teach them, like, the importance or need of that because we know it's important. Right. I mean, at, at some level, I think some clients, uh, you know, maybe scared to sign on. They think that, you know, it's going to be something that's way over their head. Uh, but the other side of it is just that uh, when you break it all down, uh, to a very basic level and, and you talk about, you know, deep breathing versus shallow breathing, um, scattered thoughts versus, um, you know, visualization, visualizing your goal. Uh, when you show athletes what we don't want, um, you know, um, but what we can achieve, um, I, you know, and then they look at me as sort of the underdog. If that guy can do it, anybody can do it. Um, that, you know, that's, that's great advice. You know, that, that is great yeah, and that's advice, what Brad, I did yeah. get, Brad. I said, if Brad can do it, I definitely can do it. <laughs> Absolutely. Hey. Brad, yeah, you know, Brad, so many of us, uh, people, uh, successful people, whether it's politics or business or in the military, <laughs> we reach a certain point in our lives where we reflect back on our life's experiences. And we realized that there were so many people who contributed to our greatness or our success who at the time we didn't realize were doing so. I can think back to teachers and coaches, whether it's middle school, high school, and college. Sometimes someone, it wasn't someone who was involved in my life over a long period of time, but it was something that they said to me that just transformed my way of thinking. Or, you know, was there one or two people that you can think of who had that impact on you? Uh, definitely. I mean, you know, uh, do you mean inside of the Navy SEALs or do you mean uh, before or that? Or, just just uh, life just life in general. Someone who in some small but significant way sort of contributed to your path towards who you are today. Yeah, I think, you know, there was definitely, I've talked about this before, is that there was definitely an epiphany moment. Uh, yeah. It was probably, you know, it was because uh, my situation being there in Bud. Um, you know, I was freezing cold. Um, I was out on the grinder, the asphalt grinder there at Bud. And I always remember, you know, the sprinklers going. It's like 4.30 in the morning. It's dark. Uh, they put a sprinkler on you to, you know, uh, you know, make it that much colder. And so we're there. We're doing push-ups. Uh, we're doing all sorts of a workout. And, uh, you know, I always remember uh, Senior Chief Scarborough uh, walking uh, around the back corner of the grinder, uh, where I was at and I, you know, I wasn't looking up. I could just see his boots. I knew his voice. And, you know, um, so for him, several things that he said 
to us, to the group. I felt like he was speaking to my soul. Right. Uh, <laughs> you know, he, um, you know, definitely um, several things that he said really shifted my mind. Because mm-hmm. uh, you got to imagine, here, here it is, I'm, you know, 19 years old, coming out of, you know, small town Tallahassee, Florida. Um, you know, I, I was never um, exposed to all of this. You know, the, the mindset there is radically different than right. what you're going to find in, um, you know, the public school system or even just being out in public in general. Mm-hmm. You know, you're just you're not going to be exposed to the same things. And I'm sure it was the fact that I was freezing cold, having to latch on to anything for comfort that I could find. And his words uh, more than once, uh, and, and in particular, some of the things he said on that day were just really like, they're just, uh, you know, tattooed on the backside of my mind. Um, well, you know, what, just, what uh, a great please, tribute. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I've, I've mentioned that before uh, in, in some of my past, you know, uh, sessions and coaching other athletes um, is that, you know, we're, and we're, you know, if we can be so fortunate as to be around someone who can be a mentor to us, mm-hmm. but also to be in that spot where, you know, we can actually be coachable and listen. And, and if you can imagine Senior Chief Scarborough, well, he had me in a spot where I had to listen. Right. <laughs> you know? How and many push-ups did he make you do? <laughs> oh, we were just, you know, I mean, in that hour we did hundreds. But, you know, um, but, you know, so here it is, the sprinkler's going. He's standing right out, the very, uh, right out of the very edge of the sprinkler, and we're all just shivering. Uh, it's everything we can do to keep our wits about us. So he had a, a captive audience. And like I say, I was so coachable at that point. I was like, please give me anything to get me through to so, the chow hall, to get, so, <laughs> to get a warm cup of coffee and food. Yeah. So the, the keys to yeah. success, Brad, are 4 a.m. sprinkler, lots of push-ups. That does it, huh? And 4 a.m. And a good mentor. That's what's so missing. So Brad wakes up at 4 a.m. Do you still here. get up at 4 a.m., Brad, or are you like a 345 guy? Uh, no, no, actually, I don't get up. I do get up early, you know. 6.30, 7.30. But I will say the keys really are to be coachable and be ready to lead, but also be ready to follow. And that's something, too, that Outward Bound um, really uh, already knew those things in the Navy uh, or, or it was drilled into me in, in the SEAL teams. But that Outward Bound, again, re, you know, uh, sort of retooled that again. Um, so definitely being coachable, I, I tell my kids that all the time, um, you know, that's, um, and, and being able to recognize, you know, there, there are mentors out there. We just have to be tuned in and be ready to listen. You know, don't, don't be, you know, I'm 56 now. Don't, for me, it's like, don't be the old guy, the old Billy goat who thinks he's done everything at 56. You I got your mojo guy. about you, Brad. I got to tell you 56. <laughs> You're looking good. Well done. You set the bar really high for us. Yeah. I feel like I'm, I'm right back at 19, 20, 22, and that I'm open uh, to being coached. Here it is. I'm going to go this year to get recertified as a coach. I have to go to other, another master coach, uh, fitness trainer, to listen to them and absorb and obtain uh, my certificate. So I can't sit here and say, oh, you know, I know everything, which I don't. 
um, you, you don't want to have a fixed mindset. You want to have an open mindset. And so that's a really, that's a key, that's a key in life to be, to be coachable and to have an open mindset, no matter where you are and no matter how much you think, you know, <laughs> wow, that's coming from a Navy seal. That's powerful. Yeah. And you know, with that open mindset, Brad, it makes me just, cause I'm just curious. Everyone has their own mantras throughout life. I think they're always changing based on your experiences. What would the 56 year old Brad McLeod mantra be? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I try to keep my mantras, uh, simple. Uh, this coming weekend, I'm actually doing uh, a big race up in the mountains of Tennessee. It's uh, 300 and something miles. And so, um, I, I'll, while I'm riding my bike in the mountains, you know, it's an unsupported ride. Um, you know, it's just, uh, things like never quit. Um, uh, I also think about other people that I want to, uh, that I want to, um, finish the drill for, uh, whether it's my mom and dad or it's for, um, you know, a lot, uh, many times I ride for charity, I ride for the Navy SEAL foundation. So, um, so, you know, I would say, you know, never quit <laughs> would be, uh, one of the, uh, just a simple mantra that I repeat. Uh, over and over in my mind. Um, so uh, it doesn't have to be anything fancy. It's just uh, I use that mantra too to tune out the other side, the, the subconscious mind of that, oh my gosh, my legs hurt, or oh, it's hot here, or it's cold, or oh, I've got another mountain to Who's climb. Who's been telling you, know, you I've been I, saying I'm, this stuff? <laughs> I want to know right now who's been saying Never Dustin Plantle, because I'm telling you. That came from my mouth. It's too hot outside. I don't want to go out. There's 300 mosquitoes. miles. Uh, that's no wimp. I'll tell you that. All right, Brad. Many of my students in the Naval Academy have, uh, when, when uh, times are tough in terms of uh, assignments piling up, they, uh, they listen to certain types of music to get them in the zone, to get them focused. And they tell me openly that that, that music is a critical part of getting them through that term paper. So my question for you is, uh, do you stream any music when you're working out? What What's on Brad McLeod's exercise playlist? Uh, you know, actually, uh, I used Elevate uh, to elevate my mind when I'm trying to write. Uh, I do listen to a lot of YouTube uh, video. Uh -huh. uh, I listen to, uh, as crazy as it sounds, you know, uh, guys like Eric, Eric T., Eric Thomas. Now, that's more of a positive mental Um so I actually, I don't use music as much as I probably should. Mm -hmm. uh, I definitely recognize that as um, you know a, a method to elevate. But I don't, I don't put uh, headphones on when I'm in the gym, um, and I don't put headphones on when I ride. Uh, I use the mantras. I actually like to listen to some uh, stillness, uh, or you know, when I, that's why I like you know the, the bike ride in the mountains. Uh, the mountains, the race, is that there's a lot of time just to uh, kind of tune all that out and not not wow. have all the extra same noise. So I, it's a little bit different philosophy, but that. Um, but I, I talked about it earlier in, in the CrossFit gym. You know, when the music's thumping or what have you, that's definitely going to be uh, a method to to get athletes pumped up. So do you, what song do you hear in your head it. though? So I'm a Rocky guy when I'm, when I'm running, dun, 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 dun. like, do you have a, is there a tune in your head or, or do you focus in on your bike? Like, what do you, how do you zone in the zone? How do you do that? How do you zone out to be in the zone? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I had the, again, I just go back to those little mantras that I have, 
uh, you know, as you can imagine, it can be 10 o'clock at night or two in the morning when you're riding, uh, your, your mountain bike, uh, up in the mountains I, I use, uh, you know, it might even be something as, as silly as an old song we used to sing and buzz, you know, it's, uh, um, you know, so, um, but no, I don't really have, um, you know, like a Rocky, I don't really use the music side of it, uh, my, myself personally, but I definitely use, uh, the mantras, um, over and over again to, uh, and the deep breathing to force out, you know, any kind of negativity in the subconscious mind. Well, it's a unique approach and clearly it has worked for you. So, so <laughs> keep right. it up. So I got two final questions for you. The first one is an easy one. How many push-ups can a 56-year-old Brad do versus a 20-year-old Brad? <laughs> Be honest. Yeah, can he give it to us straight now? Like, oh, my God. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, I'm not going to sit here and say I was this great athlete. Uh, uh, back in the day, I, you know, I was good enough to make the minimum standards, stay at Buzz, what have you. So, I don't know. I mean, it, it, coming out of Buzz, you should be able to knock out 100-plus push-ups in any one sitting. And so it was interesting because we would, when we, right after buds, we went to uh, Army Jump School, and sure enough, you know, the instructors there, just being in the Navy, being a, a, a at the time I was not a SEAL, but I, I, would, uh, I didn't have my trident, but being a Navy guy, uh, the Army instructors loved to punish us with push-ups, and <laughs> we were like, who are your instructors? We would just keep so how many So how many does Brad do today? Yeah, come on, give it to us. Come on, man, you're, about, you're dancing around the question. And then how we'll, many? And then we'll go around the table, and we have to, how many? <laughs> yeah, I can do it like 9 million. I beat you. <laughs> I got to be able to knock out 40 or 50 push-ups uh, nonstop. But I, I will say, I am a lot better at riding long distance on a bike. So for there, I mean, I can probably throw out a more impressive number. You so, don't need yeah. to overcompensate <laughs> yeah. on mileage on a bike. If you can only do 40 yeah, or 50. Like, yeah, like, if you can only listen. do like 100 miles, like, not, I, mean, I got God, you beat don't, there. Don't be a, don't be a I'll watch you on TV do it. All right, last question for you. So you've been around yeah. a lot of tough people. Who are the toughest people you've known or maybe still know? Like, who gets your Brad McLeod, life's tough, but is tougher award? Yeah, you know, I would say... Um, uh, the athlete, uh, Kyle Maynard would probably be, uh, you know, really one of the toughest, most inspirational people that I've ever been around. Uh, he had, he has a CrossFit gym there in Atlanta and, uh, briefly I was able to meet him, watch him in action. He's missing, you know, his arms and his legs. Wow. Um, but he's gone on to do, you know, amazing things. You can Google, uh, his name, watch on YouTube. He's climbed Mount Kilimanjaro. Um, without arms and legs. So I would think, you know, he's definitely someone that sticks out in my mind, but I would be out of line if I didn't mention uh, my swim buddy, um, you know, during, uh, that helped me get through buds. Uh, it was, you know, um, it's definitely, a, 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 you know, uh, um, you know, uh, Raul Valdez, I, I definitely have to, you know, mention his name. Uh, uh, wherever he is out there in the world, I need to get back in touch with him. Can you him, say his name one more time? Raul Valdez. Raul Valdez. Valdez. And he's got to be one of the toughest guys I've ever met. I mean, in terms of just instructors just dishing out punishment on top of punishment. <laughs> and I'm just, you know, I'm, a, I'm the first to say, hey, I, I thought about quitting a lot of times, but I never rang the bell. 
And Raul, every time that I had thought about quitting or I was just having a meltdown, Raul was just, he's a rock. And, you know, uh, so he's somebody that was right there in the mud and the freezing cold surf and just time after time. I mean, uh, um, you know, that guy got to be one of the toughest people I've ever uh, been around. I spent a lot of hours around him, you know, hundreds, hundreds of it's not thousands of hours, you know, you wake up every morning, and go to bed. You're, you know, this is a guy you're around all, all the time. Um, so he's definitely another athlete, uh, mentor, uh, swim buddy that I, I saw as, um, you know, without him. I mean, you know, um, you know, I, I hope I would have still been able to make it through buzz, but I know there were times he really, um, he might not have known it, but he really was, you know, kind of that couple of cops. He was like that cup of hot cup of Joe that was somebody's handing you right at a time when you're just like, oh my god, I'm just gonna die here. And um, yeah, so between him and Kyle Maynard, those are two very inspirational uh, athletes, uh, people, leaders. You know that um, you know that 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 I uh, very lucky to have been in contact with. Wow. Well, that's that's very very powerful. Well, Brad, uh, final words you have for the audience. Yeah, hey, I would just go back to uh, the idea of never quitting. You're never out of the fight. Um, you know, you can look at me. I'm, I'm five seven and a half, 160 pounds, uh, soaking wet. Uh, if I can get through Bud, uh, uh, you out there, you, you can achieve any dream that you want. Um, and, and, and again, you know, you look at guys like Kyle Mann or there, there, there are people out there. They just don't quit. They just don't, um, uh, take no for an answer. And I just say, you know, dream big. Like I did with wanting to go to Hollywood. I wanted to go to California. I wanted to be a seal dream big, believe in yourself and never quit. Fantastic. Well, life's tough, but Kyle Mannard and Raul Valdez are tougher. Thanks for joining us this week, Brad. Oh, yeah. It's my, my honor. I'm very humbled. Uh, I appreciate you uh, thinking about me and giving me a call and giving me this time. I, I, I really appreciate it. Brad, honestly, it's been such an enjoyment to spend time with you this past hour. Uh, you're impre- you're just amazing, and we wish you all the best. Brad, thanks for this opportunity. I yeah. wish you, I could Thank bring you. you into my classroom and you could you change the mids' lives. So uh, take care. Thanks. If I'm up that way, I'd be honored to be there. I'd be honored. Thank you. Thank Sounds you again, good. Brad. All right. So once again, I'd like to thank the POI Institute for being a Life's Tough sponsor. The POI Institute is a private, luxurious, holistic detox center located in gorgeous Cabo San Lucas on Mexico's Baja California Peninsula. POI offers safe, medically focused Ibogaine detox treatments for individuals suffering from a variety of addictions. Call the POI Institute at 833-POI-CABO. That's 833-POI-CABO. Or check out their website at POIibogaine.com. That's P-O-I-I-B-O-G-A-I-N-E.com. And be sure to tell them that Life's Tough sent you. It's been terrific to have this fascinating conversation with our special guest, Brad McLeod. And it's been a delight to have my special co-host from the Naval Academy, Dr. Robin Taub and Brian Mark Weber. Any comments, Robin, Brian, to close out the show? I would say just don't give up the ship. 
I would say, you know, it, there's only one person that can stop you from being successful in this life, and that's, that's yourself. So that wraps up our show for this evening. Thanks again to Robin, Brian, and our guest, Brad McLeod, for making this another outstanding episode of our Life Stuff podcast. And thanks to you, our amazing audience, for making the Life Stuff podcast one of the most relevant and fastest growing shows around. And a special thanks to my dear friend, Gerald Levin, Life Stuff chief writer and my Sherpa. The stories we all hear are as varied as the people who tell them. Each time I hear someone's personal account, I do not frame it as it was something that was more horrible than my own story or something that was not as bad as what I went through. It's impossible to discount the impact of any one singular experience. To the person who lived it, that story can seem just as devastating as any other. I ask you to use your story to give others hope. It's quite liberating to move beyond your past. Don't keep your story to yourself and allow it to eat away at you. Instead, consider how your experience can benefit somebody else. Your story may be just what it takes to help someone in your circle or in our community to get through a tipping point moment, an instance where that person either chooses to continue to be a victim or when that person finds the strength to transcend a particular situation. Please subscribe to our show. Visit lifestough.com, L-I-F-E-S-Tough, T-O-U-G-H.com. And be sure to join us every week, same time, same place, for a stimulating hour of heartfelt discussion. Remember, everyone has a story. Thanks for listening and have a great week. In coming weeks, we'll be joined by Andy Andrews, Chicken Soup CEO, Priceline co-founder, IBM Blockchain, Hedera Hashgraph, and many more. So for Dustin Plantholt, Robin Taub, Brian Mark Weber, and for the entire Life's Tough team, thank you for joining us. And remember, Life's Tough, you can be tougher. <laughs>